you're smart and I'm proud of you. I want you to make some friends this summer. Meet Scotty Smalls. Kale, get it! <laughs> the kid is a L7 weenie. My life's over. Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. You just have fun. Climb trees, hop fences, get into trouble. Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. Now he's in. Yeah! All right! With the coolest guys in the neighborhood. They've got the look. Wendy Peppercorn. Wow. Hey, girls. They've got the moves. <laughs> They've got the rap. Blockhead! Geek! Jerk! Idiot! Moron! You bop for apples in the toilet! And you like it! You play ball like a girl! Something else has got their ball. That wasn't my ball! Dad's father gave it to him. Babe Ruth signed that ball. Babe Ruth! We gotta get that ball back. Got any bright ideas? Initiate retrieval section number one. Power connect. Come on, help me, it's heavy. Now. Century Fox presents... Hey, guys, it's the Sandlot Babies. You're the ones that are making all that racket. A lifetime of adventure. Come on, Squeak, you can do it. Go through, bud. Little bird. The Sandlot. A little piece of paradise, a half a block wide, and a whole season long. Scotty, have you made any friends yet? Hello, and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children in the 20th, 21st, and 20th centuries. The 25th century. Great, yes. great. Now now we've gone, you know, to boldly go. Great. Yes. The 24th and a half century. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking this up. But that's okay. We're just going to go with it. Uh, <laughs> if you're new to the show, welcome. You know, we're going to be talking about retro pop, uh, retro pop culture stuff like TV shows, video games, movies on the show. Uh, so if you're new to the show, welcome. We do like to have you on. Uh, this week, we are continuing our double header. Uh, of baseball movies uh, we did last week was Field of Dreams and League of Their Own and yep. this week we're picking up here with another favorite uh, The Sandlot and then we're going to come in with Disney's The Rookie The Sandlot is 21 years old oh my god <laughs> oh my god uh, it came out in 1993 oh yeah but you know what? It still holds up. I, I like this film. I mean, this was the first time watching it for the podcast because I mean, you suggested it and I was kind of like, oh, OK, that sounds good because I'd seen bits and pieces of it and I knew the basic plot of the mm -hmm. film, but I had never sat and watched the entire thing all the way through. So I was like, OK, I'm going to watch this one. Mm -hmm. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. 
Uh, and I was expecting it to be good anyway. So I was kind of like, wow, this, I, I got the feeling like it was kind of a, a stand by me with a little bit of Goonies kind of thrown in, the, the feel of, you know, mm-hmm. mixture of kids. Uh, just a coming of age movie, which I thought was great. Uh, what were your impressions, Mike? Um, I love this movie. First of all, it revolves around baseball. And the whole point of it is it doesn't matter what time of day or what kind of weather, well, unless it's raining or snowing, you know, these kids are going to play baseball. Oh, yeah. And they play even if even when they didn't have, you know, nine players needed to actually, ha- actually have a full team. Oh. And, it, and yeah. it's one of those stories where you got a kid who just moved into the neighborhood, doesn't know a lot of people. He, he's one of those he's one of those um, erector set kids that he's <laughs> he, he's a he's a very young Leonard or Sheldon type where yeah. he could almost be a super genius when he grows up. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things. And he doesn't have a lot of experience. He doesn't know how to talk to kids, not not just girls or anything. He doesn't know how to talk to people. He doesn't know how to talk to his stepdad, doesn't know how to talk to the kids in the neighborhood. Um, and throughout this summer, he learns a lot. Oh, he goes through learning how to throw a ball because, I mean, that was something that kind of surprised me. I, I was like, he can't throw a baseball? You know? <laughs> His stepdad is trying to teach him how to play baseball, and he's like, and he walks the ball back and goes, here you go. I was like, really? You know, even as a kid, I learned how to throw a baseball because I learned how to throw rocks. Mm-hmm. It, it just really surprised me. But it was touching in that point because you get to see the kids that are like, you know, Benny especially, uh, Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez, who's who's kind of their... <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I guess the head guy. of He's, their, kind, their he's kind of the leader. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's teaching him how to play and he's teaching him how to just have fun. He goes, don't think about it. Just play baseball. You're thinking mm-hmm. too much. Smalls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I love the way that this was being put together here for it. And, and let's talk a little bit here about the plot so that anybody who hasn't seen it. Well, you really should. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, basic plot is, as I said earlier, you got Scott Smalls just moved into the neighborhood. This neighborhood has a sand lot, which is basically a giant, probably the the biggest sandbox a kid could ever want to play in. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this ball field is nothing. I mean. Not even the cows, you know, could could eat this grass because there's just nothing there whatsoever. But these kids go there every single day, play baseball, um, and you know we we get to Smalls, and you know he wants to learn. Uh, has his stepdad Bill try to teach him, and then he keeps going to the sandlot. They keep going, keep going. They have adventures throughout the summer. And then it comes up to Benny, um, the Jet Rodriguez, uh, basically knocks the cover off the ball one day, <laughs> and it lands in the yard of the Beast. Yes. 
The Beast is, this is where the Goonies thing kind of comes into play, where it's like yeah. the Beast is this unknown beastly monster dog, and no one's ever really seen him. Every time you look through a hole in the fence, balls just disappear. Uh, you know, I, re- I remember that one scene where his, his paw just stretches out and whoomp, yeah. and they just almost <laughs> like fall back away from the fence. <laughs> um so the ball ends up going over there, and, and all the kids are, like, complaining and, like, oh, Benny, man, now we can't play no more. Nobody brought thought, thought to uh, bring any more balls, and anybody have any money? We're all broke and blah, 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 blah. So Smalls – and I'm skipping over one major plot point because I want to talk about it here in a minute. But Smalls oh, sure. basically um, says, oh, yeah, I have a ball. I can go get a ball. Uh, and earlier we saw his, his stepdad unpacking – and one of his baseball memorabilia things is an autographed baseball by Baby Ruth. Yes, the candy bar autograph. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an autographed baseball by Babe Ruth. Uh, apparently, the stepdad, Bill, actually had Babe sign it or something. or Something it was in his family or something or other. I, I forget what it was. Um, well, wasn't it some girl named Ruth who signed yeah. it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he goes home. He gets the ball. And they play and play and play. And uh, I think it's Ham. Is, is it Ham that hits it into the yard? Somebody hits it into the into the Beast's yard. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, man, my stepdad's going to kill me. That was a sign ball. Some girl named Ruth. And they're all like, what are you talking about? Oh. And then he starts he starts bringing up all the nicknames and everything else. And let, let me play like, that because I actually have that clip here. <laughs> it, it's too good to pass up. You mean to tell me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth. And you brought it out here and actually played with it? And actually played with it? Yeah. Yeah, but I was going to bring it back. But it was signed by Babe Ruth. Yeah. yeah. You keep telling me that. Who is she? What? <laughs> what? The Sultan of Swats. The King of Crash. The Colossus of Cloud. The Colossus of Cloud. Babe Ruth! The Great Bambino! Oh my god, you mean that's the same guy? Yes! yes. I love that scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's it just everything coming together and he's like, and you can kind of see it. Oh shit, that's, that's, oh my god, what did I do? <laughs> yep, he royally screwed up. So then the movie becomes about getting the ball back. And Smalls is going to first go over and do it. And Benny's like, no, no, I'll do it. I'll go over. So Benny goes over. We come to find out that the beast is Hercules. Mm -hmm. And he is this giant, I don't even remember the breed. He's like some sort of mastiff or something. Yeah, he's some sort of giant mastiff breed of dog. and, And... he, you know, Benny gets the ball. He then takes the beast on a journey around the yeah. town because the beast is chasing him. 
they break uh, down the fence. He breaks the chain and like, yep. it's like, holy crap, how big is this dog? Yep. Yep. So everything breaks. They go running, go running. Um, so they run all over town. They run through all these things. I think they even run through another baseball or some sort of sporting event game. Um, and, you know, they're they're trying to trap him, trying to, trying to, you know, get him away from everybody. And, you know, Benny just had to get them out of the biggest pickle that any of them had ever been in. And uh, they eventually do. Um the uh, because they get back to the sandlot and the fence actually crashes down on him, so they all basically you know it's kind of like <laughs> it reminds me of um, sad that it reminds me of this, but it reminds me of Transformers the movie when they're trying to move the 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 rocket launcher to attack the Decepticon. It's like put your back into it. <laughs> it's like yeah. everybody lifts, so they all lift. They get the fence off the dog. He then becomes basically docile. He's super friendly. Oh, and, um, and I love that scene because my wife is sitting there and she's going, oh, God, the dog, the dog. I'm like, just watch, just watch. <laughs> you know, and she's like, what's going to happen with the dog? I says, just watch. You're going to see the dog eat the kid's head. And she goes, what? <laughs> About that point, you see this giant tongue licking his face. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. you suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the dog is... It's pretty much he's gone to sit down or he's, he's with the other kids and Benny and Smalls knock on the door of the house. Come to find out Darth Vader lives there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the biggest surprise that Darth Vader, a.k.a. Mufasa, live well, the future Mufasa at this point because yes. this uh, Lion King hadn't come out yet. Um you know, Darth Vader lived there and it's James Earl Jones and he's a blind former ball player. Um, who actually played with George Herman Ruth. Yeah, and that kind of surprised me because I thought, and this is just me going for baseball history, I thought at that point in time that there were still the Negro Leagues that they really hadn't allowed them to play with a lot of the white players. Maybe this is just me being bad at, at baseball history, but I could have sworn that there wouldn't have been any point in time that you would have seen a black man playing with Babe Ruth at that time. Now, Maybe maybe things had changed and he actually did and I I don't remember when well, Jackie Robinson started playing so he's what is he said he did with the rest of the 1927 Yankees right so is it still in that era of being that way or or by 20 seconds honestly I I'm not looking it up right now ladies and gentlemen so I'm not sure so I'm not gonna make an opinion on it either way either way yeah it works it works for the story. Oh, yeah. Um, because he gives him uh, a ball signed by Babe Ruth and the rest of the 1927 Yankees. And Scotty has to take it home to his stepdad and face the music. And, you know, sure, he was mad. And it's not the same as, as his ball, but it was still pretty awesome. Um, and they all lived happily ever after. Now, there's a couple of things I glossed over in the plot. Number one is the fact that it's – I find this so ironic and I cannot believe he even agreed to be in this with, with – I mean I, I know he's a huge baseball fan but I, I just cannot believe that he agreed to be in with this. Uh, you have <laughs> Mr. Dennis Fuck You Leary himself in this yes. movie as the stepdad. The only reason why I say I cannot believe he agreed to do this movie is because – I know 
he is such a because he is from Boston. He is such a diehard Red Sox fan. And yes, I know Babe Ruth played for the Red Sox, but he also then went to the Yankees, and hence the eighty-six long year curse that had been broken in two thousand four. But still, oh my God, it's been ten years since they broke the curse. Jesus. Oh, God, I'm so old. Um, uh, so Dennis Leary's in this movie as the stepdad, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> uh, a lot of these kids, I don't – like this isn't an American Pie. This isn't um, a Breakfast Club. This isn't a, even a St. Elmo's Five. A lot of these kids I had never seen before, and even looking at the cast now, I don't – recognize yeah. half of them i mean i've seen some of them uh patrick uh who is it patrick renna yeah the guy who played ham yeah uh, i've seen him in some other things uh he was in son-in-law he was in the big green for disney uh he did a lot of disney flicks uh, oh he was um he was the step uh the the brother and son-in-law that's 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 where i've seen him okay yeah uh but i mean he's he's been around because i know one of my things that I remember seeing him on was a Disney Channel original movie uh, called Punks, where they got like some sort of super suit and he was he kept wearing the super suit to beat up on everybody, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. You know that I remember seeing him from there. But you're right. There really isn't a whole lot of these kids going on. It's like they've gone on to kind of just be in the background. Uh, yeah, I will say that. um I'm trying to see if they show how to pronounce it. They don't on on, on IMD on, on Wiki. Um, Tom Geary, the the guy that played Smalls, right? Um, he uh, he has been in. He was in Lassie in '94. He was in uh, the Last Home Run in '98. Uh, he was in U571. Uh, he was in black. Oh wow, he was in Black Hawk Down, black Hawk Down as Sergeant Ed Urich. Wow. Um, uh, he was in uh, uh, Kings in 2009, uh, and most recently he was in I think one or two episodes of Unforgettable on CBS in 2011. Um, he also had ahead. that role. He also had uh, Jimmy Donnelly in the Black Donnellys on NBC, which mm-hmm. it was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't care too much for the series, but it was like, eh, it lasted for a while. 13 episodes. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing in the plot that I kind of skipped over was the entire pool scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wendy yeah. Peppercorn. Oh, my God. Yep, Wendy Peppercorn. Oh my God, uh, that scene was just amazing. It was. My, my wife was watching it, and she's going, you know, you see, because you kind of see uh, squints beforehand, where mm-hmm. he sees Wendy Peppercorn walking down through the, down the street in town, and he's kind of like staring at her, and he's watching her ass go back and forth, and he's kind of like, "What a woman!" type thing. And then, you know, you see him and he he goes completely nuts. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and my wife is watching this and she goes, what's he going to do? I'm like, just watch. She goes, wait, wait. And, and, you know, you're of course, you're hearing the narrator go, Squins couldn't swim. And he's walking. And she goes, well, then why is he walking over? Just watch, watch. And she gets down to the point that you see him drowning. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's going to drown. 
And then it cuts back to him and he's laying there and he kind of gets this grin on his face. He opens it up his eyes and he looks over and he, he quickly flips back. I just laughed. I was like, oh my God, I was dying of laughter. I was like, I'm watching my wife's reaction to the movie more than anything else because my wife was just like, oh my God, he's a little perv. Yep. And that's exactly what Wendy says. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did read because I was. it was kind of funny. I was looking at a lot of teen actors as to where they were and where they are now mm-hmm. and seeing uh, Wendy Peppercorn and God, forgive me. I got to look this up on IMDb because I cannot remember her name. Uh, Marley Shelton. She still looks pretty damn hot now. Um, she does. Yeah. But you know, she's, she's gone on to do planet terror, uh, Pleasantville, Sin City. She said some bit roles here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, to see this, it was kind of funny when you think about it because how how old do you figure the kids were? Like what? You you figure Squints was what, like nine, ten years old? Yeah, something like that. And Wendy was, you know, what, fifteen, sixteen, working at the pool? Uh, yeah. Uh yeah. I would almost say that. Um, but still, I mean Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, um, it was just kind of one of these weird things because at the end, you hear the voice. You hear the voiceover narration mm-hmm. going on, and he start. He tells him, tells everybody, "Oh yeah, Squint's married with Wendy Peppercorn." You're like, "They have nine kids." <laughs> that's cool, but at the same time, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> well, oh, I, I'm I'm sure. Well, if he was nine or ten and she was fifteen, sixteen, that's only yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I've seen people that have a twenty year difference between them, so it's like. Not you know six or seven year difference is is not yes it is strange but it's not like god awful yeah it's not quite I mean, robbing I mean, the I mean, yeah I mean it it's not like um, may she rest in peace it's not like Anna Nicole and her ninety year old husband before he died true you know true <laughs> we all know what that was all about that was yeah. you know oh it's not about the money bullshit mm-hmm. um. Now, the crazy thing about this is that apparently it's pretty much gotten a negative review or negative rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And, yeah. And I don't understand. This is entertainment. This is, you know, at, at least um, Bob Cannon of Entertainment Weekly gave the film a B plus, praising its simplicity and strong fundamentals. I mean, but everybody else is like, oh, no, this uh, this sucks. This, this, that, and the other thing. And apparently uh, there was a lawsuit Yes, I saw that and I was kind of like, what the hell? In 1998, Michael Polydorus uh, sued 20th Century Fox and the producers of the film for defamation. Polydorus, a childhood classmate of David Mickey Evans, the author and director of The Sandlot, claimed the character of Michael Squince Polydorus, or Palidorus, was derogatory and caused him shame and humiliation. Uh, the case reached the Supreme Court of California, which ruled in favor of 20th Century Fox, obviously. Um... Uh, yeah, he was goofy. Yeah, he was kind of nerdy, but that was the point of it. And he ended up getting the hot girl anyway. So what the yep. fuck are you complaining about? Shut up. Yep. <laughs> and uh, God, nearly again, nearly ten, nine, ten years ago, and then about seven years ago, there were two sequels: one in two thousand five, uh-huh. and one in two thousand seven. 2005 is a direct-to-video sequel, Sandlot 2, which a new Sandlot gang is featured. The only returning cast member was James Earl Jones. 
And here's Rosa, Roll of Mr. Myrtle. The Sandlock Heading Home, 2007, another director video sequel starring Luke Perry as Tommy Santa Santarelli, who gets knocked back to 1976 from 2007 and relives his childhood. And of course, Chauncey uh, Leparty reprises his role as Squints in that movie. Um, I have not seen the sequels. I will not see the sequels. The first one is the only one that matters to me. Yep. Um, I, I saw bits and pieces of one, uh, basically because my wife was trying to watch it on Netflix a while mm-hmm. back, and I was like, "This, oh god, no, no, <laughs> just turn it off, turn it off." I would rather watch, you know, bad B flick horror films or you know something else. This is just yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, the the songs in the film, uh, the 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 film's original score was done by David Newman. Uh, it was unreleased until, the, until 2006 when a limited edition was released as part of the uh, Varese Saraband Company Club. Uh, the songs in order of appearance, we have Finger Poppin' Time, Hank Ballard and the Midnighters, Smokey Part 2 by Bill Black's Combo, and then we have The Lion Sleeps Tonight, The Tokens, uh, There Goes My Baby, The Drifters, This Magic Moment, The Drifters, America the Beautiful, Ray Charles, Green Onions by Booker T and the and the MGs, mm-hmm. um, Tequila by the Champs, and Wipeout by the Safaris. You know, and this was a great soundtrack. I loved everything that I heard in this. You know, just because it gave you that feeling of being back in '62. You had everything going on that summer. You know, just there was so much of this that was great. I I loved how they put together so much of the film. Uh, dying on me, Mike. <laughs> Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, you know, with, with love music, the Ray Charles bit with America the Beautiful, I love that touch when you see all the kids going out to go play their one and only night game of the year. And that was, you know, night games at that time were still kind of a new thing for a lot of people because they didn't have lights a lot of the time at, at the ballparks. So you see them going out to play this night game. And the whole reason they're playing the night game out at the Sandlot was because they had the fireworks going off. They could actually see, which I thought was great. You know, and having America play that entire time while they're standing there playing baseball and they're kind of watching the fireworks, it was like, wow, that's a nice touch. And it was kind of, I'll say, you know, it was kind of a nice patriotic moment. I, I don't ever feel that, ever, you know, much anymore with a lot of the movies that you see, but this one was okay. It was a nice touch. Yeah, it absolutely was. Uh, <clears throat> just there, there were a lot of little things in this film. Uh, you know, uh, one thing, one thing that I've got to play this, it, it basically kind of sums up, uh, Ham's role in the film. <laughs> Smalls. Yep, that pretty much sums it up. And I had to play that because I have a friend of mine who I'm sure she'll be listening to this along with her kids, which God help me, Jill, I apologize for all the swearing that we've done in this already. <laughs> Don't let your kids listen to this. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they, 
that whole line, you're killing me, Smalls, that is probably one of the most quoted lines for this film I've ever heard. And I, I love that line. You know, you know, I've even seen people use it in other <laughs> like, uh, was it a couple of weeks ago? I, I don't know. Somebody on Twitter said something about that. They didn't know about something. And then I saw somebody else that I follow post that exact like in in reply to that you're killing me smalls and i'm like oh my god oh yeah <laughs> it's like you can apply it to anything oh yeah well i mean and, and they apply it several times in the film mm-hmm. you want you want s'mores well how could i want some if i don't know how could i want some more <laughs> if i don't know what it is if i haven't had any to, be, to begin with you know <laughs> you know that or chaw what's chaw <laughs> you know they uh. yeah that was the that scene was the um oh god that well I, I was gonna say it was the tilt a whirl scene in the movie but it is it, I, I I didn't remember that, that there was one but yeah they they all start drink start drinking they all start chewing tobacco and then they go <laughs> on the tilt a whirl not a good combination. Oh, yeah. And you see it like just all getting sick all over everybody. You see people on the ride behind them that like have puke all over. Just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 it's you know, it, it's a fundamental baseball movie, this film. And it's one of those things where this is how we learn. Like my dad taught me baseball as a kid. I mean, yeah. you know, growing up in Massachusetts, I, you know, baseball is in my blood, uh, you know, being a Boston Red Sox fan and. You know, it was one of those things where, um, you know, he taught me to pitch and taught me how to hit and I would pitch to him and and he would pitch to me. And it, it was just one whole male bonding experience as a father and son. And and these kids go out. You know, I, I used to play <laughs> after I was about 14. I couldn't play anymore, but I used to actually be a catcher on several different teams at the time when I was you know younger um, cause it was the, granted it is the hardest position, one of the hardest positions in the game, Oh yeah. but it was the easiest one for me cause I'm kind of sitting down the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're not really sitting down, you're more like kneeling down. Um, no, but Sandlot, uh, what surprised me, I remember when I first saw this movie, you hear the narration throughout the entire film and then you get to that end scene before the end narration. Yes. Um, and you see the damn hat. <laughs> it's yes. like, oh my God, he grew up and he became a sports announcer. Yes. That was kind of awesome. I like that touch. That, and you get to see Benny the Jet Rodriguez <laughs> going on to be, uh, what was it, a Dodger or is it? Yep. Okay. I apologize. I, you know, blue, yep. I kind of looked at it. I was like, wait, Dodger or Casey Royal? I couldn't remember. No, Dodger. So. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I love this film. It got me into that feeling of I kind of wish that around here that we had more kids who were like that, who just wanted to go play, you know, play baseball in the sandlot. Unfortunately, Southern California, San Diego, I should say, where I wa- where I grew up, we didn't really have that because we didn't have any good baseball teams. We have the Padres. <laughs> yes, they've been to the World Series twice, and as I mentioned before in our in previous podcasts, they've been there twice. They've been swept both times. Okay, yeah, I can't believe the Royals are in it this year. 
you know what? I'm going to root for them. Since the Dodgers are out. <laughs> you know, it's it, you live in Southern California. You root for the Dodgers. You don't ever root for the Padres. And since the Dodgers got knocked out, you know, recently, and the Royals are still in it, I'm going to root for the Royals because they're the they're the next team I can see that I want to be, you know, the runaway team. Screw the Giants. I hate the Giants. I hate Bruce Bochy. <laughs> you know, enough said. Yeah. Um, but The Sandlot is a movie like A League of Their Own that I can watch all the time. Yeah. If I really wanted to, I could watch it all the time. Absolutely love it. You know, I, I love this film because it's still, it is about baseball, but it's about, you know, Babe Ruth. It's about kids coming of age. It's not just about, you know, a historical moment in time, which mm-hmm. is probably what bugs the hell out of me with League of Their Own and why, <laughs> you know, it, it's why I couldn't sit there and watch it over and over and over and over again like my wife does. <laughs> Saying lots of different story. I could watch this again and again. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead. We're going to take a quick break here. And I will, I'm going to insert here the trailer for the next film so you guys can hear this trailer. Jimmy Morris, well on his way to another World Series title. Fifteen years ago. You got your shot at baseball. You got hurt. Jimmy Morris put his dreams aside. Coach? Counselor? Don't report that, Esther. I never do. But sometimes... Hey, Coach, you want to throw? I'll throw a couple. Yeah, Dad, bring the heat. When you least expect it... Oh, my God! <laughs> dreams come back to life. I threw today. How hard? Pretty hard. Anybody want to tell me how we lost that game? You quit out there. I'm talking about having dreams. You don't have dreams, you don't have anything. You're the one who should be wanting something more. Last time I checked, scouts aren't looking for high school science teachers. We start winning, you try out again. Are you serious? Yeah. All right. To the district champion, ours. Now it's your turn, coach. It started as a simple bet. I promised to try out. It was this thing to get the kids to start playing. It became the most incredible true story. Rule number one is armor slow down when they get old. In baseball history. From the studio that brought you Remember the Titans. We've got an eight-year-old boy who waited all day in the rain to see his daddy try to do something that nobody believed he could do. Now, what are we telling him if you don't try now? This spring. You bringing some kids? Besides your own? I'm I'm here for me. For you. Jimmy, come on, you're up. Just a second. I'm not doing it. Don't hurt yourself. His dream was impossible. You the old guy? I'm the old guy. How fast were you throwing 15 years ago? 85, 86. You just threw 98 miles an hour. No. But his journey was extraordinary. To Coach Jimmy Morris, the man who taught us about wanting something more. Dennis Quaid. Do you know how many guys can throw the ball 98 miles an hour? Not many. The Rookie. All right, and we're back here for our doubleheader. This time we're going to be talking about Walt Disney's 2002 show, 
2002 movie, The Rookie. Uh, Mike, what were your thoughts on this film? Uh, you know, this is one of those movies where I don't know what it is. Like, like when they first do the ad campaigns, I don't know what it is, but I know, okay, it's about baseball. It says something to do with baseball. And then I hear in the trailer a song by a band I know and or love. I believe I'm trying to see here. I don't uh, – no, it's not going to show me on wiki. It might. I'll have to look um, and see elsewhere. Um, this is one of those movies where I believe it was uh, Live's uh, – the, the band Live. They're um, – their song Deep Enough or I Alone or Light – no, I, I think it was Lightning Crashes um, that got played with these trailers. And I didn't even care. Like when I first heard about the movie, I didn't even care <laughs> about the fact that it's Dennis Quaid or anything yeah. like that. I, I did not – I just wanted to see the movie because of the song being in the trailer. Yeah. Um, so that was my first uh, reaction um, and it's just one of those things where it's such an awesome movie and it's such a different film than the Sandlot. Honestly, it's a very different film than the Sandlot. Yeah. I mean, I, now again, this, this film kind of like the Sandlot, I've never seen the entire thing all the way through. Uh, mm -hmm. as I mentioned to you off air before we started the podcast, I've only ever seen the movie since about halfway through when the kids are, you know, when his team is kind of winning their right. district and whatnot. And so I didn't know about the whole story behind it with, with his dad and, you know, mm -hmm. going forward. So, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. And, and I saw that and I was kind of like, okay, this is a lot better than I expected. Uh, I want to say for being, you know, 12 year old movie, I like this one a hell of a lot better than what they tried to do with uh, Donham or a uh, uh, ham, whatever his first name is, and million dollar arm. Oh, million dollar arm. That's I just don't. Yeah, you know, just I mean, don't care. Disney had a runaway hit with Rookie. I mean, it was kind of a surprise hit as far as I was concerned. But you know, million dollar arm. No, no, no comparison. No comparison. Nope. Um, but this one, it, to kind of summarize it, it's pretty much um, the film tells the story of Jim Morris, the son of a career Navy man who moves the family to a small Texas town. Uh, Jim uh, is pretty much um, uh, he's showed to be a very skilled pitcher, uh, but his father never really like his father is more military than anything else. And oh, yeah. Moved around, moved around. The parents eventually got divorced, and now Jim is an adult. Um, he's a teacher. He's a, is he a science teacher? Yes. Social? Yes, yes, so science teacher. He's teaching high school chemistry. Ah, that's what it is. Oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Quaid could have been Walter White in Breaking Bad. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. I like Dennis Quaid. I hated Walter White. I mean, you know, for for good reasons. I mean, you, you get that feeling of hating Walter White, but that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
<laughs> so Dennis Quaid is a high school chemistry teacher. Uh, he um, also coaches the junior varsity baseball team, which is comprised of this these ragtag kids who uh, it's your standard this is it, it, this film is very this film has so many marks of the mouse on it it really does it, yeah. it, it basically if you had the disney checklist of what disney what roy or whomever at disney what they want in their films this movie pretty much checks it all off yeah, and to some extent, I'm going to say that that was a little confusing when I was watching this. I'm kind of like, okay, which story are we watching? Are we watching the story between, you know, uh, Jimmy and his dad? Or are we watching the story with the kids moving up and becoming good? Or are we watching the story of Jimmy realizing his lifelong dream and getting a chance to play in pro ball? What is, you know, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But it was just kind of like I was a little confused as to which way I should look at the story and where it's going with it. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, they have two completely different stories trying to mesh into one. They have the story of the kids trying to, you know, you know, get better, be improved, and then they, you know, they have this whole thing of now it's your turn, coach, and yeah, and, and everything else. Which I like that. I thought it was a nice touch. Um, so after they win district, he has to then, you know, you know, take his turn and go try out and yeah. he goes tries out and in between the 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 the, the kids championship and when he goes trying out, he every now and then will go to this side of the road where there's a a speed checker. I love that scene. <laughs> Everybody loves that scene. If you don't love that scene, there's something wrong with you. Um he goes to a um, so he he goes to this road where, where, where there's a speed checker, um, and I just I don't know if I find this too believable about I, I don't dislike it, but I don't know if I find it believable. You mean to tell me this thing can check anything that moves by it that passes by the sensor really seriously? Yeah, um, they're, they're usually I'll, I'll be honest. I mean I, I've. I've ridden a bike past it. They're usually not that accurate, and they usually don't turn on. You know, yeah. they, they only turn on for a certain range. And you know, I figure it's just because they need to make it part of the plot of the film, which is fine. I have no problems with it. Um, <clears throat> we that, so we have him doing this, and he's he throws several pitches, and he ends up getting up to seventy six. Yeah. He gets back in his truck and he's semi okay. I don't, I don't want to say semi satisfied, but he's he's like, "All right, I I gave it a try. I've got a 76 mile an hour fastball." Drives off, and apparently the lights this is what is so unbelievable about this. Oh yeah. Stuff. Yeah. The lights apparently were not working and then flickers in to show that he has a 96 mile an hour fastball. Yeah. So his wife and his three kids, yeah, yeah, three kids, uh, one older boy uh, and two younger, a younger daughter and a younger baby daughter. Um, his wife is like, you know, Jimmy Morris, I'm, I'm a Texas woman and I can blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, okay. So he goes to this tryout without even telling her. Yes. Uh, 
And he's trying to juggle the baby along with doing the tryout and everything else. And he goes up and gives his, you know, little spiel and whatever else and does his thing. And he's like, all right, well, I guess that's it. And I guess Dave, I guess the guy's name was Dave, uh, comes over to him. He's like, "Um, yeah, they want you. You're, you know, I'm going to call this in and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, He's like, seriously? But, you know, I'm 40 years old and blah, 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 blah. He's like, Jim, if I don't call in a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, I'm going to lose my job. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, wait, wait. He starts asking him, how fast do you think you're throwing? Oh, 85, 86. Mm-hmm. You threw 12 pitches at 98 miles an hour. If I don't call in a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, I'm going to lo- I'm gonna get fired. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, what? And you could see yeah. a look on his face. De- I, I, Dennis Quaid did such a good job with that, with the look on his face of like, uh, 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 what? Excuse me? It was great. I love that. Uh, but, you know, this film, it's just having that. You see him going on from there. Uh, you see him going on, and he does get into the minor leagues. He's playing with a bunch of guys, and they're all kind of like, hey, you the old guy? Yep, I'm the old guy. <laughs> Uh, oh god you gotta put that in here somewhere <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's gotta be put <laughs> in. you the old guy i'm the old guy um so i want to read part of this here he says uh, it says uh, he's initially assigned to the minor league class double a orlando rays now the montgomery biscuits i'm sorry these minor league teams <laughs> these team names are crazy oh yeah quick Quickly moves up to the AAA Durham Bulls, and I'm like, wait, wait, is that a real team or is that just you know referencing a Kevin Costner movie? Okay, um, I thought the same thing. I was like, <laughs> I all had, right, I had to click on it, and it is a, <laughs> it is a real team founded in 1902 in Durham, North Carolina. Um, so after he gets to there, um, he's you know he's. You know, some of the organization's younger pers- uh, players view him as a publicity stunt and mock his age, and Jimmy decides that he's going to go home and take care of his family. Uh, apparently, the Major League Club in September has called him up, and they will be playing in Texas against the Rangers. Yeah, and this was kind of like, okay, really, they called him up to play in Texas near his home. Uh, you know, I was kind of like, okay, this this is oh. obviously a liter- lot of literary license going on for this. Well, yeah, I mean that that's not, you know, that's um, that is uh, um, it's convenient for the plot, of course. <laughs> that's what it is, because the whole point is, you know, he calls his family, and says, okay, well, we're going here, we're going here, and he wants his dad to show up because his dad never showed up before. Yeah. Any of the times that he was playing when he was younger or when he was a kid, his dad was always off in naval bases and everything else. Um, so we get to this game. He comes in. He, uh, you know, comes with his fastball. Um, uh, he's called into the game to pitch to Royce Clayton and end the inning. Jim ends up striking out Clayton on three straight fastballs. After the game, Jim gets interviewed by the press, being the oldest MLB rookie in over 40 years. During the interview, Jim notices his father had also come to the game. Jim's father finally admits that he is proud of what Jim has done and has also apologizes for never supporting him. Um, 
you know, and obviously the final scene is, you know, the Big Lake High School trophy case, which has Jim's Major League jersey uh, prominently displayed. It is then mentioned that Jim would go on to pitch in the majors for two seasons before retire, uh, retiring and returning to teaching in Texas. Um, before we go over the cast, there are a few <laughs> real-life differences, because this is based on a real-life story. Yeah. Um, so the, the, there are a few of these here, and I do want to read these from Wikipedia uh, so I get them correct. Um, the film has Morris making his debut against the Texas Rangers, striking out Royce Clayton on three pitches, with the last strike coming on a full swing. In reality, Morris struck out Clayton on four pitches. The third swing was a foul ball, but because the filmmakers were working on a very tight schedule, the scene was shot at the actual ballpark in Arlington following an actual game. With much of the crowd still in the stands, it was determined in advance that there would be wouldn't be time to um, interstute the numerous safety precautions necessary to protect actors, crew, and equipment from flying baseball. The initial plan was to replace the foul ball with a ball a pitch outside the strike zone, in which the batter does not swing. But it was later decided that the scene played better with only three pitches. The film portrays Morris as a resident of Big Lake, but he never actually lived in the town. During his time teaching at Reagan County High School, he lived in San Angelo and commuted to, the, to work daily. The film shows Morris is teaching chemistry, and a broadcaster calls him a chemistry teacher. In reality, he taught physical science. Okay, so no Walter White there. <laughs> well, in reality, yeah. yeah. In the, yeah. I still... Dennis Quaid, Walter White, that would that would have been amazing to see Dennis Quaid try to play that character. Anyway, oh, yeah. um, the scene where the radar sign, which we talked about, which is copied by ESPN in a commercial with Bobby Valentine taking the court. Oh. However, actually, um, ne- never actually happened. Uh, in the film, the school that Morris teaches at is named Big Lake High School. In real life, the school is in the town of Big Lake, but his actual name is Reagan County High School. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays and Texas Rangers uniforms worn in the movie are incorrect for the era in which the film, st- film takes place. This was a deliberate choice by the filmmakers using the 2001 uniforms rather than the period-accurate 1999 uniforms. The filmmakers were able to film second-unit footage of the actual game between Texas and Tampa Bay in an intercut footage with the footage of the actors wearing the same uniforms. The bullpen in which Jim warms up prior to his first major league appearance against the Texas Rangers is actually the Rangers bullpen. The visitors bullpen at Rangers ballpark in Arlington was a much less visible at the time. In the film, when Jim is called up to the majors, a teammate named Brooks is called up with him. In real life, Steve Cox was the player called up with Jim. Brooks is a fictional character created for the film. Alex Rodriguez appeared as a member of the Texas Rangers, but in 1999, he was really a member of the Seattle Mariners. Nobody cares. Yeah. Fuck Yankee. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow, at least I have the same sentiments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, regardless of this film's kind of unbelievable parts of it, you know, It's still a really, really fun movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched it. I enjoyed it for what it was. Like I said, I I loved watching this as, a, you know, based on a true story. I like this much better than the million dollar arm that Disney came out with this. It's got a lot going for it. You know, Dennis Quaid. 
I, I have to say, I you know, I always thought that he was kind of one of these characters, these actors that's he's kind of past his prime that you don't really see him too much anymore. This was the last film that I can remember seeing him in that I thought he was good in. And it well, was really well, kind of a surprise. I mean, I, I know that he's probably done other films since this, but, you know, it, it's just I mean, he was um, he was um, General Hawk in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. I forgot. All right. All right. Let's see. From 2000. Okay. From The Rookie. Since The Rookie, he was in Cold Creek Manor. Uh, he was in uh, The Day After Tomorrow, which probably wasn't that great. He was in Good Com. He was in a movie called In Good Company, I believe. That was with um, Eric from uh, That 70s Show. Uh, he was in Yours, Mine, and Ours. Uh, he was in um, Vantage Point. Uh, since 2010, he was in the special relationship where he played Bill Clinton. Wow. Oh, holy crap. (laughs) He was in, uh, Footloose in 2011. What the hell? He he Um, was the reverend. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I'll I'll go with that. (laughs) He was in what to expect when you're expecting in 2012. Uh, he was in uh, Playing for Keeps uh, at any price. And then last year, I cannot believe he – this is really where he tanked, honestly. Um, he was in Movie 43. Oh. <laughs> movie 43 is such a um, – It's like just clips and horrible crap yeah. put together. Uh, he did star in a short-lived television series on CBS – uh, he also served as executive producer on a show called Vegas. He played Sheriff Ralph Lamb. Yeah, uh, I, I forgot about was, that. I thought he was really good in that. Uh, before The Rookie, he was in the 2000 movie Frequency, Love Frequency. He was in Any Given Sunday, uh, Playing by Heart, The Parent Trap. Uh, let's see, Dragonheart, because uh, he played Bowen in 1996 in Dragonheart. He was Doc Holliday in Wyatt Earp in 1994. Uh, he was in Undercover Blues in 93. Uh, let's see. In 87, one of my favorite favorite movies of all time. We'll have to do this one of these days. He was Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton in Inner Space with Martin yes. Short. <laughs> yes. And, and I got to mention one that I liked him in. It was, it was one of the very first long movies that I ever saw. When he plays Gordon Cooper in the movie The Right Stuff. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought he did a great job in that. You know, that whole film together was just, it was very touching seeing the start of the space race basically coming up. Yeah. So, anyway, going uh, on. <laughs> I cannot believe. Um, I'm going to skip over Rachel Griffiths for a minute. Uh, and Brian Cox, we'll talk about him later. But the kid, Hunter. Yes. I cannot believe this is the two and a half men kid, Angus T. Jones. I cannot believe, like, I never made that. Kind of, I never looked at the name of who played Hunter until now, and it's like, oh my god! And he is, is I cannot believe this kid. He yeah. he only acted for he only acted for fourteen years. <laughs> Of his, yeah. oh God, when when was he born? Oh my God, he was born in '93. Oh so he, Jesus, he retired in 2013. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, 
<sighs> that yeah. kid. I, I mean, I like him in this movie as as the character, but Jesus Christ, that kid. Yeah, oh, my my, my wife took one look at him and she goes, "Hey, it's that kid from Two and a Half Men." I'm like, <laughs> I, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, because I don't recognize him now. Like I've seen several episodes of Two and Two and a Half Men, but uh, po- uh, both pre and post Charlie Sheen. But I just I I didn't even recognize him in that in in that TV series. Yeah. Uh, Ra- Rachel Griffiths, who played uh, uh, Dennis's wife in this, um, her debut was in Muriel's Wedding in '94. Uh, she went to – she was in My Best Friend's Wedding as Samantha Newhouse in 97. She was in Hillary and Jackie in 98. She was in Divorcing Jack in 98. Uh, Me, Myself, and I in 99. Um, she was in Blow and Blow Dry. Is Blow Dry supposed to be a sequel A sequel to Blow? <laughs> I don't know. I have uh, no idea. I have no clue. Um, she was in the first Step Up movie. Oh God! Uh, she was in Beautiful Kate. She was in Burning Man. Uh, she was in Underground, the Julian Assange story. Uh, Julian Assange uh, about the WikiLeaks yeah, yeah. guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, last year she was in Saving Mr. Banks as Aunt Ellie, and next year it says on here she's going to be in a film called uh, The Moon and the Sun. For television, she's kind of more prominent. She's had roles in Six Feet Under, uh, Kath and Kim, which I believe was uh, uh, very short-lived, Brothers and Sisters. um, And this year she did something called – she's on something called House Husbands. Uh, I don't even want to know. Um, I, I think House Husbands is like. Um, I wonder if that's the spoof of like Real Housewives of probably something or other. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise probably. me. Uh, Brian Cox. All right. <laughs> oh my God, Brian Cox. <laughs> I love this guy. Um, he. He has been in a ton of stuff. His debut was in 1971 in Nicholas and Alexandra. Um, <laughs> the most famous things people will remember him from is this movie, The Born Identity. Okay. Uh, X-Men 2, X-Men United. He was, um, um, uh, crap, uh, striker in that. Um, and apparently he was nominated for a Teen Choice Award for that movie. For choice movie villain. Wow, okay. Uh, he was in The Born Supremacy. He was in The Ringer. He was in Red Eye. He was in um, The Water Horse, Legend of the Deep. Uh, he was in uh, The Escapist. He was in Scooby-Doo and the Samurai Sword as a voice. Um, he was in uh, He was in Red, and I believe he's also in yeah, Red, too. Um he was in last year's movie Her uh, as a, the voice of Alan Watts. Um, I, wait, when did that come out? He returned to voice – or not voice. Uh, uh, he returned uh, to his role of striker in X-Men Days of Futures Past. And it says here that he uh, – so 
It says that um, apparently he's going to be in Super Troopers 2 as well. He was in Super Troopers, the first movie. For this thing, Super Troopers 2, this is the first I've heard of it, but apparently as of August this year during a Reddit AMA, uh, whatever the hell that guy's name is, Super Troopers 2 is looking very likely. We'll have an update in a couple of months. Later revealing of the project is going to do a Kickstarter. So, yay. Um, but Brian Cox, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to be honest. I When I first saw him, I'm kind of like, where have I seen this guy before? And, and <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, I know I've seen him in other films. And he's a great guy. I like him. I really yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was also in another baseball movie along with Kevin Costner in 99's uh, For Love of the Game. Uh-huh. He was in Rushmore in 98. Desperate Measures. Um, he was in Braveheart. <laughs> well, yeah, Braveheart makes sense because he is a Scot. He is a Scotsman, so yeah. you know he's more of a Scotsman than Mel Gibson is. But let's not go there. Yeah, um, um, we'll leave it at that. Um, they really. I guess I could bring up the other major kid star in this, but. I mean, Jay Hernandez, he, he yeah. was in Joyride before The Rookie. He was in Torque. I liked him in Torque. That might be one we might have to do one of these days. I like that movie. He was in Ladder 49, Friday Night Lights. Um, A lot of things that seem to be doing with Texas. Have you noticed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he was in, uh, uh, for TV, he was in USA High in 99. He was in Undressed. Uh, on MTV, he was on Six Degrees. Uh, uh, currently, he is. Um, he was on Nashville for three episodes, those ABC series Nashville, and uh, he's supposed to be on Gang Related uh, coming up. So there's that. Um, but I mean, this cast is pretty much a a core, like a really really short. I mean, there are a lot of people in the movie, but there aren't a lot of like. This isn't your star-studded movie. This isn't your movie 43, thank God. This was kind of a, it wasn't an ensemble cast. It was more of just, hey, we got a bunch of stars. Let's get them together. You know, we got a bunch of people. Let's get them together. And they've kind of become more stars or they've been bigger stars Mm -hmm. in other roles. And it wasn't, it was nice seeing some of these guys coming together to play these roles. I, I really liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm really trying to think if there's anything else that we can cover for this. Cause I mean, we, we do have, you know, we have the plot, we have everybody going through, we have, you know, a decent cast. Really. I don't think there's anything more that we can really cover for this. I will say that they made such a big deal out of the trailers and I know it's not the movie company that does this, but it's, um, it's the people that they, you know, list to be, you know, the trailer people to do that. Right. Uh, they made such a big deal out of the kid with the afro where he says, oh, my God. You know, they they made such a big deal out of that scene and they kept using it and it's used in almost every single TV spot. And it's like I thought that kid would would have gone on to more things, but I don't I don't Uh, even remember his name. Rick Gonzalez. uh, I I recognize him because he's been in, he's actually been in quite a bit. Uh, He was in uh, the Bad Girls TV movie, Bones, 
Uh, he was in. Uh, oh, God, I'm trying to think of what the movie was. It was like a uh, like 1970s era rollers uh, roller skate. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. I can't for life remember what it was. Uh, but I mean, he's he's been around. He's been around in a lot of things. So, I mean, it's not. This was just kind of like another step in that direction as far as I was concerned. You know, he's always he's always one of these utility actors, I guess would be the best way to put it, and that you see him in a lot of different roles, but he's never like the star. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, but no, The Rookie, absolutely amazing movie. I do hate saying, you know, turn off your brain and watch it, but if you just sit back and just want to have fun with it, it's a very awesome, oh, yeah. fun story. Um, you know, it's back when Angus T. Jones wasn't a complete douche. Yeah. Wasn't the wasn't the epitome, the young spun the young spun out spawn of Charlie Sheen. Um, you know. Uh at, at least Angus T. Jones isn't as bad as that 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 pop star kid. Oh God! Let's not even bring him up. Yes, uh, that is the that that is our Voldemort, <laughs> okay, he who shall not be named. Yes, exactly. Um, so I, absolutely awesome. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that kind of detracted, like I mentioned, was that there were just a bunch of different stories going on. You had. You know, the nuns who were investing in the baseball team and the, the oil rigger there. You had kind of that story going on. You had the father and the son. You had, you know, him trying out for the baseball. You had the team going on. As you mentioned, I mean, it was kind of this big checklist, which to some extent, I understand why some of the critics said that it was confusing because I kind of got that watching the entire thing all the way through. Yeah. But it was still a good film. And, and if you as you said, if you just turn off your brain and kind of just watch it and accept it for what it is, you're going to like the film. I mean, you really will. It's, it's a good, well put together film. Mm -hmm. uh, so for that, I think we're going to go ahead and close out here. Uh, Mike, I know we've got some things coming up for, for uh geek cast radio network. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, your first episode on remote control aired with Scorpion. We're going to be doing stalker next for CBS. Uh, just head over to geekcastradio.com, people. Check out all the content. There's so much going on over there. Um, for us, the final doubleheader next week will be... <laughs> I did this deliberately, ladies and gentlemen, so I can gush about the hometown. Uh, <laughs> Summer Catch and Fever Pitch. <laughs> yes. And I still have to watch both of those films. I, I have never seen them. I know them back so. to front front to back because oh god it makes so much sense to do summer first and then fever afterwards because we are in the 10 year anniversary since they broke the curse oh, oh I couldn't have planned it better <laughs> this is all your, your evil plot to take over the world <laughs> that's right or at least this podcast <laughs> you're just my podcast monkey you just do all the work on the back end of course of course <laughs> Uh, so yeah, folks, we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll close it out here. Uh, please go to our webpage, mygenerationpodcast.com. Uh, you can leave us feedback there. You can also leave, leave us feedback on Facebook. Uh, if you want to write us an email, you can go and send us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, you can also go since we now have a uh, we now have a voicemail line. Uh, you can go and leave us a voicemail here. And I'm looking for our stupid number. Where did I put it? <laughs> here it is. Uh, area code seven six zero six five nine zero two four two. Leave a mess. Uh, leave us a message there. We'll play it on the air here. Uh, we are also going to announce any people who like the show, any comments that you make on Facebook about any of the show. Uh, tell us what you think. I'm still waiting for the negative feedback, guys. Haven't gotten any, <laughs> so I'm assuming that we're doing something right, okay? <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead and close out the show here. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what we'll play just yet, but we'll get something good in there. Maybe that, maybe uh, Slow Turn will put that in. Yeah, love that song. Slow turning 